This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and this is Recruiting Daily's podcast. And today we are going to be talking with Gretchen from Oracle. And really, we're going to be kind of delving into how Oracle is uh, helping HR you know, during this crisis. And so that's a kind of a multi-pronged question, but that's what we're going to discuss today. So Gretchen, do me a favor, A, uh, introduce, introduce yourself to the company or to the audience. <laughs> All right. Hi, everybody. Gretchen Allercon. I lead the product strategy organization at Oracle, focused on our HCM cloud products. And you've been with Oracle for... A long time. We don't talk about a lady doesn't talk about her age, William. You know that. <laughs> I, 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 when I said that question, I thought to myself, "My wife is going to kill me when she hears this." This is you never ask. You've been there long enough to know where some of the bodies are buried. We'll just leave it. There, that. That's a that's a fair comment. Sure. <laughs> that's, that's that's all we need to go. We don't, and you're a Stanford fan. That I am. That we yeah. Can, we can stick there. Which you know, Sarah Sarah Nam who's the uh, CEO at Lever, an ATS, mm-hmm. that you might not, uh, might not know, might not be on your radar. She went to Stanford, too. I talked to her the oh. other day. So awesome. fellow, a fellow com- comrade. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's dig into uh, kind of Oracle and kind of uh, how you are helping HR. And it's, it could be kind of what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're feeling, and then, all, you know, what you're doing uh, yeah. during this crisis. You know, this is a... It, it was a major shock to everyone's system, I think, at um, not only the crisis itself, but how quickly it unfolded, right? We kind of went from seeing some things happening and suddenly, boom, we're, we're moving to shelter in place. And there wasn't a lot of in-between for people to prepare, prepare for this. Um, so we looked at a couple different things. And one of the things we most wanted to focus on was what is something that we could get in the hands of our customers early that would help them? Um, and then how can we support them on the assumption that this isn't just about like a one and done, this is going to be going on for a while. So um, as a starting point, we said, you know, let's take a look. We have a product called Workforce Health and Safety, which has been around for a while. Um, let's put that in the hands of any of our HR customers. And let's not worry about cost. Let's not worry about that right now. Let's just find out if this is going to be useful for them. Um, and frankly, when we started the conversation, I was thinking about, this more in terms of someone being able to report that they've been exposed and we're going to have to self-quarantine and, you know, being able to do some contract tracing or something like that. Um, But now with so many people, you know, working from home or working outside the workplace, I actually think this is going to be a helpful tool as people are returning to work to be able to say, you know, how do you feel comfortable being in your workplace is, you know, was the conference room cleaned? Is there enough hand sanitizer? You know, these sorts of things that, in office buildings in the past was not really something you cared about. I think you're going to see people paying a lot of attention to. So we started with, let's make workforce health and safety available. Um, it was an interesting conversation internally uh, and a great case of, or when Oracle gets aligned on something, we move very quickly. Um, our head of development, Steve Miranda, 
as I was talking to him about it, I was like, okay, well, do I need to put some rules around this? Like, is it, you know, free for a certain period of time or, you know, how does all the ghost? And he was like, just get it out. We'll worry about the, the contracts and everything like that later. Get it out into the hands of the people that need it. So, so that was thing number one. Um, but then thing number two is we put up our, our customer connect site um, is the site for any Oracle cloud customer. We don't care what product you have. It's a place for you to go and typically be focused more on, you know, learning about the products and sharing with your, with your peers. Um, we put up a dedicated forum there for COVID-19 um, and have reinvigorated our coaches corner. So that's really more a case of saying, you know, what do you need to know that maybe you haven't had to worry about for a while? So do you need new reports? Are there going to be changes in how you track in absences? For example, in the UK, um, they've typically had a process where you have a waiting period before your uh, absence time off occurs if you've been sick. And now they're not using that waiting period. They're just saying go straight to your, your absence for sick. Um, so how do you change an absence plan? Do you have to update your time? Um, you know, you're going to furlough people. What does that even mean? Because a lot of the people who work in HR mm -hmm. have never gone through that side of the business. We've been in this expansion for so many years. Um, so that's been an important thing. And then the other thing that we added in our, um, our customer advisory board, our HCM cab, um, meets fairly regularly to talk about product, right? It's what, what are we going to build next? How do they feel about features? That sort of a thing. Um, and we had a call. I, I was worried it was going to be too soon. I was like, do we really want to ask them to have a call with Oracle, you know, as all of this is starting? It was like the first, first week of March, last week of April. Um, and actually what they came back with is they said, this is hugely valuable. And can we move these calls away from being quarterly focused on product? And can we meet biweekly now? Um, because <laughs> if you think about it, it's, yeah. a, it's a forum where they can talk, it's confidential, uh -huh. um, it's benchmarking with your peers, and the common denominator is you have Oracle, but really, it's a chance to say, look, I've never done some of this before, how are you approaching it? Or, you know, we're thinking about a, a return to work plan, we're trying to figure out business continuity, what are the things you're putting into that, and, and how would you approach it? So, th these calls have, have gone to bi-weekly, and you know, we're facilitating, but really it's just a chance for people to share and make sure that, you know, they're having a place to have these conversations as well. Well, first of all, let me go backwards and say that I love Steve. A. B. <laughs> have some type of old man crush. Uh, and I love just the idea because, you know, normally in business, that's, that would be the first thing we would ask. Where do we draw some fence lines around this stuff? That would be normal, but we're not living in normal times. So it's just a, a really great response from a great leader. Uh, second, I think one of the things that, that you're, you're keying in on with your cab is it's not just the sharing of resources and, and uh, the community aspects. It, it's also group therapy. We won't, <laughs> we won't call it that, right? Because there's so much stigma around that, but it is. It's people going through something and then sharing their experiences, their best practices and all that other stuff. But really, it's talking to another human being about the struggles that they're going mm -hmm. through. Um, what... What have you seen or examples uh, that you've seen of, of kind of the disruption that's happening in HR? I think there have been a couple things we've seen just in, in general, you know, how do you look at this? Uh, you know, I think for some organizations where they've been moving with furloughs or they're trying to do plans, you know, again, as I mentioned, if you've not done it before, um, how do you do this when 
you have represented workers, right? So, okay, you know, corporate says we're going to do this sort of a change, but suddenly I have to deal with the union and I haven't had to have this negotiation and discussion with the union before. What, where is that collective bargaining agreement? <laughs> what are the rules <laughs> in place? Um, so there's that sort of thing. I also think, frankly, what we've seen a lot of recently is, you know, companies having to kind of plan and then replan and plan again, right? Because, you know, am I furloughing or am I laying off? Or if the business recovers in April, what does this look like? If the business starts to recover in May, what does this look like? So, you know, trying and, and recognizing quite fully from an HR standpoint that you're talking about people's livelihoods here, right? This isn't a case of saying, you know, you're just not going to go to the grocery store for a week. This is, are you going to be able to pay for groceries, period? Um, and so I think there's obviously this heightened sensitivity of plan it right um, and make sure that you're doing the right thing on behalf of your employees um, while also balancing the, we have a business to run and nobody can really forecast right now to say, you know, are we back to normal? Whatever, whatever normal is going to be. Is that the summer? Is that the fall? You know, some areas like airlines and hospitality, obviously they, they had a little bit more, I think, probably more of a focus on planning to know what to do here than some other areas. Um, but, you know, the other thing that has come up as we've been talking with some of our customers is when you talk about business continuity, you know, organizations have plans for disasters usually, right? So, I'm in California, every company I've ever worked with has some sort of an earthquake plan. Um, but that earthquake plan usually is focused on getting people safely out of the building and safely home, right? And making sure that structures are safe, but with an idea that, you know, we're kind of going to be back to normal fairly quickly, right? It's kind of an event happens and there will be some ripples, but we kind of know how to manage that process. But something like this, where it is an ongoing you know, going to impact for long periods of time isn't in most people's continuity plans. And so it's really kind of, we're, we're, we're making up the playbook based on assumptions. And that's causing, I think, for HR people, a lot more questions. You know, are we going to follow through on our staffing plan? Are we going to freeze hiring, but we still need them in certain areas? You know, what's happening in terms of who's even available to work? So there are a lot of elements here where we're kind of in, do what you would do following whatever your business continuity plan is, but recognize that it's not a one week or a two week plan. It's got to go much further into the future. And that I think is where a lot of people are going to have to really question, you know, what's my hiring going to look like? What's my, you know, what are my retention plans going to look like? Am I doing focals this year? Right. There's a lot of those sorts of things yeah. that have got to get replanned right now. Right. Performance reviews being, you yeah. know, one of the succession planning, you know, I mean, we go through the entire, you know, vertical chain of, uh, of HR and it's like everything gets rethought or is going to be right. rethought. Um, excuse my ignorance, um, but does, do y'all have a crisis planning uh, slash management application? We do y'all have, have a dedicated tool? crisis planning? No, but you know, what we have seen as our customers looking at our, um, our strategic workforce planning product because it right. has scenario planning in it. So you can kind of do the, you know, what does the business look like now? Give me two or three different scenarios and then what might it look like? Um, I've also seen organizations using that, that information and then kind of separately modeling comp and kind of saying, you know, if I need to balance between these two, what might I do? Yeah. I think I there's, like, you know, like that. yeah, that's an important thing to have, you know, just to be able to do the, you know, the, the what if analysis of nothing else, right? And then also within our analytics capability, 
we have the ability for people to kind of start with a question and then kind of build out from that. So, you know, the typical example we would give is, you know, is overtime, you know, I'm seeing an overtime spike, what happened? And kind of going back through the, is this something I should worry about? Should I plan headcount? But now you can use that the opposite direction, which is to say, typically, right. we would be on a hiring spree right now because we'd be thinking about for fall. If that doesn't happen, what happens to my costs? What might I look like? But what's nice about the way the analytics goes is you can actually build that storyline and actually have the analytics element help you kind of show how best to show this data, right? And how to annotate it to actually explain the analysis you're going through. Because in a lot of cases, what this is right now is, let me explain to you my logic and help me figure out where the logic broke, right? Right, 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 right. I love that. I love it because modeling, again, this is just great for HR and finance and operations mm-hmm. at the same time. Modeling is great in M&A too. Like when mm-hmm. you're putting two companies together, trying to figure out like, okay, what do we do? Modeling just helps. So we'll, we'll learn a bunch about crisis management after, <laughs> after, <laughs> after this. Um, as similar but different, do you, um, with, with what you're doing with, uh, with HR right now, um, communication strategy-wise, is, mm-hmm. there, is there stuff that's being shared in the cab? Is there stuff that's being shared between customers that just kind of, again, we've never had to communicate in this way. People are all networking from home, all over the world you know, all of those types of things. Is there anything that you're seeing kind of just on the basic communication strategies? I think there's definitely a recognition right now that, you know, this is really for a lot of people humanized work mm. in a way that haven't had it before, right? So, uh, you know, there, there have been kind of the lighter things of, you know, if you're on the, if you're on the call and the dog barks or mm-hmm. the kid makes a sound, you must now turn your camera and show us the dog or the kid so we know what you're actually dealing with. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. what, what's the reality? Um, we definitely see organizations saying, you know, more, uh, more communication from senior people, uh, lighter touch. So, you know, it's not the all hands, the, 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 the two hour meeting, it's 15 minute quick check in, you know, Hey, by the way, here's what I'm thinking about right now, or, you know, hoping people are staying safe. Um, I've heard from some organizations where they say they've, they've encouraged their, um, their staff to kind of flip in terms of, you know, make the staff meeting every couple weeks, but keep the one-on-ones weekly because probably you need more individual touch than you need group communication for, you know, typical operations planning kind of things. Um, We've also had a number of organizations kind of talking about just recognizing that, you know, this is going to have a mental health component to it. And, uh, this is going to take a while for people to understand even how they're responding. Cause I think some people in crisis mode go straight to, well, I'm just going to work the problem, right? I am focused. I'm working the problem. And as soon as I'm done working the problem, everything will be fine. Um, and other people kind of, you know, take a step back immediately when a crisis happens. And that's just, that's just human nature. Um, and so I think organizations are kind of looking at this as, well, how do you do check-ins with people? Um, maybe you're not going to do performance assessments because right now it's not the time to be as focused on that, but you know, what are the short-term actionable goals and how are you making sure that you're staying more on top of people at the individual level around what do they need and, you know, ensuring that you're aware of what workload can they realistically handle in this time so that you're, you're paying more attention to, you know, meeting the person where they are and that they're bringing as much of their capability to work as they can but that might be different than their normal capability. 
So if you were to define or, or describe to someone kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs for HR, <laughs> which we just we just made up right here right right here right now we've never drawn this but there's, okay there's, there's a placard there's a placard down we're going to put it in it someone's going to have to create a graphic we'll just go ahead and put that into production but what what, what would that be right now yeah you know i think at, if you think about at the base level it's absolutely got to be business continuity, right? Can I afford to, to keep these people? Do I have the money, right? You see all the focus on, you know, money going to small business associations, things like that. So definitely the, you know, do I have the right staff and the funds for those staff? That is thing number one without question. Um, I think as you start to move up, probably I would put next something around the lines of goals or tasks along with checking in so you know it's business continuity but what specifically am i trying to accomplish within this business right and how am i making sure people are focused on that um and then i would say moving up beyond that and maybe it goes along the way but there's a service delivery component and thinking about it in terms of what are the services that your employees need so and that actually might be aligned with the goals it's what does the company need from the employee but then what does the employee need from the company right so fast question and answer um you know being able to feel safe at work those sorts of things so i think there's probably a service delivery component that, that features in there as well i think for most people things like engagement um you know are you are you happy at work those sorts of things those are the top of the pyramid and they're super important, but right now they're not going to get as much attention as are we safe? Do we have the funds for continuity? And are we able to you know, continue with the mission that we've set forward for our, for our company? That's beautiful. And again, we got to build that. We got to build that pyramid now. That's, that's right. Just, you saw me. You saw me building it in my mind. <laughs> talking. I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. William. I'm going to take that one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Three questions in, in short short order. One, mm -hmm. what do you think? What do you think Oracle will learn from this crisis from your customers? I think what we're going to learn from our customers is where they see um, where they where they value the product and where they need it in different ways. One of the things that we talked about um, on an earlier call is you know our the conditions have changed, but our focus hasn't. And I think what we are learning is how our customers are really using the products in a different way. Um, and again, as you as mentioned, that community, we're learning a lot from them on how they want to see the product, you know, today versus what they might need in the future. So I think we're going to learn a lot about that as well. So for you, what's the one thing you've learned about yourself during this crisis? <laughs> One of the things that I learned, and it's been an interesting moment for me, is it's been a very long time since I have been an HR practitioner. Um, but my mind immediately went to the last time I was in HR was the dot-com crisis. And I know what I felt and how I responded when I was laying off people and having to you know, prepare the company for sale and that sort of a thing. Um, and I, it was amazing to me how quickly I tapped back into those emotions and those feelings and what was going through my brain. Um, and I was like, so for me, what I realized is there's a little bit of PTSD in there, which <laughs> makes me have, though, a lot of empathy for what our HR colleagues are going through right now. Um, and, you know, just understanding 
at a really gut level how hard this is. And I think it's something that I'd kind of forgotten over the course of the years, but that was definitely something that came right back up for me. I love that. I love that. It, what, once you're in HR, it never really fully leaves your body. <laughs> Absolutely doesn't. <laughs> it's like the mob. It keeps pulling you back in. Um, last question before we, before we go. What, what should I have asked you about? What should you man, ask me? You know, I think what would be great for us to have a future conversation once we do the Maslow's hierarchy thing Check. Um, is how does this play out, you know, in – longer than a year for new people entering the workforce. So, you know, what are we going to see in terms of, uh, you know, people leaving college, coming into new jobs? What are they, are they going to expect different environments or different work types of things? Hmm. Um, I think the recruiting world is going to see a huge shift with this because, you know, we're, we're going to be asking questions around, should these be gig workers or should these be full time? Um, and I think we're going to have a real impact on uh, people who are graduating from college who've had, you know, this year at least a huge upset in terms of what their plans were. And we think it might last in the next year. So what does this do in terms of the pipeline of, of new workers coming into the work world as well? So I don't have an answer yet, but I do think those are that question of the mix of workers mm -hmm. and what the pipeline looks like. I think that's going to be something we're really going to have to pay attention to here over the next six to 12 months. What's beautiful about that is it's, it's looking at talent more as a portfolio and the technology is going to have to be, be able to support that. So if we thought of a, of a world as full-time and part-time, potentially seasonal or, you know, salaried versus hourly, now we're, how do you add in 1099 into your systems? Does your technology provide for that? Mm -hmm, so exactly. A, do you think like that? And can you think like that? And B, you know, do, your, do your systems support the, that, that line of thinking? Mm -hmm. um, always a pleasure to talk with you. It feels like we, this was like three minutes. So uh, <laughs> thank you. I know how busy you are. And I know that you've got probably 19,000 meetings right after this. So... Uh, we'll Absolutely. Try, to, try to stay on time as best we can. But thank you Excellent. so much for your time today. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Stay safe. Absolutely. Thanks for everyone for uh, listening. And if you have any questions, email me at uh, tincup at recruitingdaily.com. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.